The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. I guess Cabinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as mainly always, is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. How are you, Elliot? Ah, oh, the tables have turned. They have turned. Remember, remember for the last few weeks, you were in the dark hole, and I was in the sunlight. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I am, I am just coming out of, like, a flu. So, so I'm, like, <laughs> thankful to be alive on Tuesday a Tuesday I had one of those where like I ran to the train because I'm back in the city on a couple of days a week so I'm mixing with people and apparently that's a bad idea because you get sick immediately uh-huh. and uh, so I was waiting for the red line for like 15 minutes and then I ran to Union Station to make my train and then my th- then I, I never caught my breath and then at midnight I woke up and I was like there's something in my brain that's not just depression <laughs> uh, you know, you you haven't been around people for a while, so your immune system wasn't. Yeah, it's just it. a, it's just a, a bastardized. So I've been like, yesterday I did absolutely nothing, which was the first time I've done that in probably years. And then today I actually felt better. You're supposed to stop doing things when you get sick. Yes, you're supposed to rest and drink lots of fluids. Yes, I watched a lot of Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I finished the uh, the final Animaniacs Hulu season. Which is pleasant. And then uh, went back and watched some of the originals. Um, actually, Maurice LaMarche is on Dana Gould's podcast uh, talking about the brain this week. So I listened to that. So I'm, ju- I'm just coming out of this. And then today I finally like did laundry and did dishes. So now uh, you're the first person I, I talk to that I don't live with. And uh, <laughs> But apparently you've got the lights down low. I've got the lights down low. Yes. Oh God, I had a hell of a week too, and I by the by the time I got to the end of it, I was I was exhausted in every possible way, and uh, yes, this has been the most unproductive weekend I could possibly have. Oh, so we're kind of in the same boat. I I've had like a lot of work to do, which I which ran me down. So um, so you're not sick yet. So give it a couple of days. Yeah, that's gonna. I, I can feel it coming on. Yeah, <laughs> but but speaking of being at a um, at a position where you shouldn't be working anymore, <laughs> and yet you are, um, we've got this swell of boomers, the people that we grew up with, still making stuff. And um, shrinking finished this week, and I've been a big fan of that, and which is starring Harrison Ford. Of course, we're we are three months away from the fifth Indiana Jones and the, uh, the Yellowstone is coming back. Yellowstone 1923. So Harrison Ford is 80 and he's got a movie and two TV shows coming out. And at the same time, the uh, Picard season three is running, which we cannot stop talking about. And, you know, Patrick Stewart is, I believe 82 and almost no one in the cast is under 70. So uh, when will these boomers move aside and give us Gen X's a job? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Any, I don't know anyone who wants to see me instead of Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's true. I take that back because the showrunners are all Gen Xers. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, Terry Metalis is like our age. 
And it should be it should be noted that again, it's not. I, I remember like when we talk about Harrison Ford in these shows, it's not that he's just making cameos or he's just you know appearing from time to time, or he's setting up the series and then his character is going to be written out. If anything, he's gone on record as saying that he does not want to get written out of of 1923 he's already committed to coming back for the next season uh shrinking which amazed me that 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 is a that is a meaty part for him on that show yeah. he he's a real a supporting character in that well, shrinking a- surprised me overall i you know i watched it just because it was jason siegel and harrison ford and uh brett goldstein who plays roy kent on on uh ted lasso is one of the writers and it's produced by bill lawrence and i'm like i'm i can go either way with bill lawrence i know uh, bill lawrence was a big part of scrubs uh bill lawrence was i believe part of the muppets abc show that didn't really work so i i couldn't say that bill lawrence brought me in but uh i've been surprised by where this show went i feel like it's a very different show than it was in the pilot oh yeah and uh, it's what is it You, you talk about the well, they talk about the Scrubs influence on this show, you know, with Bill Lawrence, because like Zach Braff is uh, directed an episode. Uh, Neil Flynn, uh, janitor from from Scrubs, yep. showed up for an episode, which was a lot of fun to see him opposite Harrison Ford after seeing him, of course, in The Fugitive, uh, in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He was one of the FBI agents in the beginning. So was there a connection between the two of them, or is this just... Six degrees of Harrison Ford. I just think it just happens. And then and then he shows up yet again because Neil Flynn was up, you know, in Scrubs. Yeah, big part of Scrubs. So so Bill Lawrence says, Hey, let's let's bring in another cast member from Scrubs to do a bit. Plus, he's worked opposite Harrison Ford. So what the hell? You know? Yeah, and they have a one-on-one scene. Yeah. So it's 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 just been fun uh, uh to see this. And I I know for us it's fun. I don't know how many, you know. How many millennials really care? You know, like, oh, this is Harrison Ford guy. Who, who cares? You know, they probably care more about Jason Siegel than they do Harrison Ford. Um, may, maybe the way, you know, when we were young, we felt about uh, Ed Asner. I don't know. <laughs> you know, those actors who were like past uh, our generation, you know, they were, we, we, they came, we come after them. They were like, Ed Asner was never Harrison Ford. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Kirk Douglas. Ed Asner was always bald and grizzled. In 1952, he was bald and grizzled. This is true. You know, uh, my Ed Asner reference for my sons, whenever I see Ed Asner in something, because, you know, they don't know anything about Mary Tyler Moore or Lou Grant, is I have to say, that's J. Jonah Jameson in the 90s Spider-Man. Ah. And And then I say, also up. And then they'll listen to it and be like, oh, yeah. That's, that's what most kids will know him for, yeah. Uh, he wants pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and to play the quiet game. Yes. <laughs> like it. And then, so, uh, yeah, it, it is something to see. You know, it is something to see now. Uh, something that I don't think we would have expected, you know, back in the day. You know, back, uh, uh, there, there is sort of this revival. I know, like Ford has said, the reason he's doing all this now is, I think it's twofold. One, he's never done it before. You know, he's now, never done a television series. Now, never done television. Now he's doing two. 
Um, he wasn't working for a while during COVID. You know, he wasn't working at all. Well, Not- Indiana Jones was had so many delays. Right. I mean, be- between COVID and then he broke his leg. Mm-hmm. You know, has crashed he- a plane. Yeah. Has he done anything <laughs> since Blade Runner? Is this like... I don't know. Yeah. So it, it it's not that he needs to. It's not like to Harrison no. Ford needs the money to do this. No, he, he needs he needs to like Spielberg needs to. Yeah. So so but he says he just likes doing it. And I will say, remember, we there were there were jokes being made about Harrison Ford, you know, phoning in performances for these shows. And no, I think he's doing some of his best work right now. Yeah, yeah he said uh Brett Goldstein was on Colbert talking about how he got him and he was in London shooting Indiana Jones. That's how long Indiana Jones had been working on was they offered him shrinking while he was making Indiana Jones. And now shrinking has finished its first season and we're still three months away from the movie. And uh, he said, he he said, uh, you know, he goes, we offered it to him just so we could tell people we offered it to him. And then he called back and he said, when he went in, he goes, he said he told me uh, it's the best script I ever read, and I said, "Really? Because I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark." <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good script. That's a pretty good script. But he is making the most of it. I feel like um, I feel like this part is it's indulging his grumpy side, which he's perfected into a comic persona on talk shows. Um, I give Conan O'Brien a lot of credit for that because he was just like he was like De Niro. He was just a, a tough interview. Until like Conan O'Brien started poking at that, uh, and I think he's playing into that. And he's also like he's got some good comic timing. You forget, you forget how funny Harrison Ford could be. I mean, his timing in in, in Empire Strikes Back is great. Oh yeah, the the I know joke is him. That wasn't even yeah. in the script. He was the one who came up with it. You know? Yeah, his his banter with C three PO and Empire is all timing. Yeah, and and he's the one who. I mean, you always knew that he had a sense of comic timing, but could he just do straight up comedy, flat out comedy? I was read I was reading one of the articles on that uh, where, um, they, well, but he's had a scene, or there was a particular scene that was written for him, and after they did it, boom, everyone laughed, and I get Harrison Ford walked by, um, um, uh, uh, Brett Goldstein and said told you i was funny you know so <laughs> so it's like it's it, again it's just him doing pure comedy uh something new and i but i gotta say i appreciate it i'm there i'm there for it i'm enjoy. i'm really enjoying the show there's a lot of people i haven't seen in a while um uh jessica williams was really good on the daily show and i haven't seen her in a bit and she's fantastic on this uh Krista Miller, once she got the Botex levels right and she could move her face, <laughs> took a couple episodes. But Ted McGinley is in this. Yes. And it's, and it's, and it got renewed. Yep. <laughs> he did, he did, he's not, it's not the final season of this. That's funny because I, I just finished watching a couple episodes of The West Wing and Ted McGinley's in there too. So it's not like he, he kills shows, you know, he shows up and shows go on. Yeah. With Married with Children broke that streak because Married with Children. Uh, Naruto Children did everything to get itself canceled. They added a kid, they added a new character, and they added Ted McGinley, and they kept going for like 12 seasons. <laughs> They're like, I feel like everybody was trying to kill that show and they couldn't do it. It's like Jeff Garland on the Goldbergs trying to kill oh, it. Well, I, apparently, the less we know about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, nobody's saying, but you know what? He's still on curb. So I'm like, all right, I I I, I don't feel like I have to cancel Jeff Garland. No, well, yeah, I mean the thing with Jeff Garland too is it's my understanding you just need to know how to be to deal with his he's a personality type. He's a real person. Yes, he's a personality type, type and he's uh he's bipolar as yeah. well, which he's talked about a lot lately. I saw him at um in Evanston a couple months ago. He did a QA. No. Uh and uh, really fascinating. So yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna jump on the anti Jeff Garland bandwagon. I'm still gonna be I'm still team Garland. I would say though, but getting back to Harrison Ford and Indy and all that, um oh, and Picard. Yeah. Uh this pat I'm gonna tell you the um the writing on every episode of Picard, it just they just keep knocking it out, knocking it out of the park every time. This most recent episode where we get to see Jordy and yeah, and uh, mild spoilers for Picard right now, which is absolutely phenomenal. I know some places don't get Paramount Plus, and I know I know there's a lot of Trek fans who, are, who don't want to pay for Paramount Plus. Um, it's absolutely worth it if if you're a Next Generation fan at all. Uh, just pay you know pay the five bucks for this month and catch up because my God, I think it's the best. I think it's the best thing they've done since probably the first J.J. Abrams movie. Oh, definitely probably one of the best uh, next-gen. Uh, oh, it's uh, the best next-gen since First Contact. Since First Contact. And yeah. I would put I would put this next-gen, like let's, let's call this season season 10 of Next Generation. Yeah, if you consider yeah. the movies like seasons 8 and 9. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's wonderful. And again, it's like that steady, it, uh, like shrinking. It's that's, that's, you have that steady hand of a Gen Xer carrying you through because you have on shrinking, you know, J you have Jason Siegel who, by the way, I'm going back and watching a lot of Jason Siegel because of this. And I forgot how, how rock solid he is. Cause you know, uh, let it never be, let it never go too long without being said, he gave us the Muppets back and, <laughs> and he was the only one that did. Cause after he gave us the Muppets back, nobody did a goddamn thing with them. Uh, but that movie is a gem. You know, Freaks and Geeks is great. We we just rewatched I Love You, Man. And uh, he he and Paul Rudd just stand neck and neck through that whole movie. And of course, there's him and how many seasons of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that's like another like 10 season. You know, thing. I just, my only my only thing with him was that the whole bit, again, with him playing the grieving widow in the beginning, just like, OK, we've seen this. We've seen tortured Jason Siegel who's trying to get over some shit, you know, like to an extent that was saving Sarah Marshall. That was his character. Yeah. yeah. Forgetting uh, Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Right. Well, saving Sarah Marshall will be the sequel directed by Spielberg. But he's always like the big, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's when they go. When, that's when Jason Siegel goes into D-Day <laughs> and starts screaming at the Nazis like they're Lou Ferrigno. Really? But, uh, but with the, you know, he's always plays that kind of, you know, that tortured character who's willing to be all utterly vulnerable, utterly vulnerable, yeah. you know, and which I guess is you got to give him credit. He's got that kind of courage to do that. He's also has no, I mean, again, the dude did like freaking full frontal nudity and had yeah, no, we've, yeah, we've seen him naked. Yeah. I yeah. could, yeah, I can't commit to that. <laughs> so you asked you. No. <laughs> And if anything, people pay me not to. You know what? If Judd Apatow convinced me that that was the right move for the for the movie I was writing, maybe I'd do it. But right now, no, 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 no. no. I have nothing to gain. 
but but you know you give Jason Siegel his 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 props that he can do that he can do comedy he can do uh he can do drama to an extent he can do plus he is getting older you know so I buy him now as the father of a of a you know 17 18 year old girl yeah yeah he, he's getting older and yet he's still younger than us that's that's really starting to book well and that's the thing about Picard that like every every cast member that comes back is an old man now <laughs> just you know that's that's what time is and it's Picard has hit me so hard in the fields where I never expected it. And I, I'm one of those people that did, I like seasons one and two. And you and I have discussed this on the show before. I think seasons one and two, they always bungled the plot, but they nailed the heart. Like the end of both seasons, the the last couple of episodes, I was like, what the fuck are you even doing? But then, but then season one ends with like a goodbye to data that just hit me. And then season Two ends with a goodbye to Q that just completely devastated me. And I'm like, okay, that's worth the show. But this season is doing both. This season has got a great plot. That is, um, I don't, I don't know how many new fans are watching this, but I certainly think a lot of fans are not well-versed in all of Star Trek. I mean, this is pulling in a lot of stuff from Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but I don't think it's leaving those fans out. You know, if you don't know who changelings are, or you don't know what seven to nine went through. It's not. It's not hurting you from the story. And if you if you watch Ready Room afterwards, they're they're doing a nice job of giving getting everybody caught up on that sort of thing. yeah. So yeah, but it's. I mean, this is the. It, they've actually lived up to all of what they've said they were going to do. That like this was the final Next Generation movie. This is this is a sequel to the entire Berman era of Star Trek. And and it and everything's organic. Every every like crazy, uh, crazy cameo. Like uh, my spoilers, but episode five when Ro Laren showed up, I had zero idea that was going to happen. Uh, couldn't believe it wasn't leaked. Made complete sense for the story. And then when it was over, it pushed the story along. And then, of course, my favorite cameo in this this most recent episode, the Genesis device. <laughs> it's, like, not, it's not William Shatner's corpse. Oh, that one too. Oh, that's like, in oh, there. Holy shit! They've got they've got Kirk, they, uh, which is a whole thing from. Uh, well, if you read afterwards, the whole thing about um, making up for the bullshit move that Picard made in Generations. Like, I'm you just don't bearing him on some Kirk in a mountain. <laughs> Well, you don't let Kirk die under a bridge. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that movie's got a lot of issues. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to me, it was like when, when Riker sees the Genesis machine in, in there at the Daystrom station, that was like uh, like that scene in Crystal Skull where you see the, the Ark of the Covenant in that little yeah. piece of crate, you know, at yep. Area 51. I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah, you never have to go back to it. I'm sure. I'm sure if you paid Shatner enough, he would pop right out of that box. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, and uh, uh, I, I just—you're right. And then they, of course, the whole thing with um, the ships. Remember, we talked to Doug Drexler. Yeah. Yes. I said, are we going to see the? I don't know. Did, I can't remember if we said this on air or after we got. No, it was afterwards. We weren't on air anymore. I asked him. Uh, are we going to see the Enterprise again? And he was like, well, didn't they show it in the trailer? I'm like, what? 
<laughs> no, oh, but yeah, we did see the. We did see. Ship. Well, we saw a we saw a TOS era ship, the New Jersey. By the way, it was uh, it was called the New Jersey one nine seven five because Terry Metalis was born nineteen seventy five in New Jersey. Oh, okay. That, that okay. was cute. And then uh, and then when we do see the A. Well, yeah, the one after the one that from the end of Undiscovered Country, right? Yeah, and I saw somebody pointed out um, that actually pays off the episode Relics, where uh, Scotty's on the Enterprise and he goes into holodeck and he recreates the bridge, mm-hmm. and Picard says, uh, "Oh, the Enterprise. There's one in the Fleet Museum, but this was your Enterprise." Yep. So yep. Picard basically says that the A is in the Fleet Museum mm-hmm. during the show, and then there's yeah, the Defiant is there, Voyagers there. And I swear on the console, uh, 709 is pulling up different ships on the console. I saw a Galaxy class, and I was like, God damn it, you guys are saving that for the final episode. Arc. Oh, yes, yes. I have I have this feeling for the big send-off that that's what's going to happen. You're, you're going to see them all one last time on the bridge of of the E. Yeah, of the D. No, or the D, sorry. Yeah, the I mean, I love the E. I was surprised the truck Drexler told us they it was slapped together because I thought it was a great design. Uh the the bridge, rather. The uh I I do love the E, but that horseshoe is the iconic, the iconic looking ship. And they and I think it's gonna pay off the first episode where they said nobody likes the fat one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep, yep. I think it's gonna get its due. I mean, like. It's amazing because it's like, what else? What else can they pay off at this point? This this has as many Easter eggs as Lower Decks without being about the Easter eggs. And uh, add to that, I mean, they've already alluded to it enough times on um, on Ready Room, but a lot of the, they're ready for a spinoff. I know that yeah. you know they want a lot of those characters are ready to come back, you know, to keep to keep doing their thing and. I know uh, on the last Ready Room, LeVar Burton was talking about how showing, because this is, they're setting up the next generation Mm -hmm. from the next generation. Right. And Discovery is ending. They've just announced that. So we're not going to have the 34th century, 32nd century, I think. They're now, which helped that show a lot, but they're going to end that. And then now we have Strange New Worlds is continuing in the pre-TOS era, but you're right. We don't have anything, unless you count Lower Decks, which honestly people like count and don't count at the same time because it's sort of a parody, but it's it lives within. And, you know, it's a show I absolutely love, but I'm certainly not going to say that is carrying the franchise. You know, that show is along for the ride. Has it, although I, I swear, hasn't Riker mentioned the Cerritos at some point outside of Lower Decks? Not on Picard, but he hasn't but, mentioned it on Picard. Or maybe I'm probably thinking about him on again when uh, Jonathan Frake shows up on uh, Ready Room and he talks right. about. But you know when when uh, Riker shows up on the Titan, it's the Titan. That's yes. not the Titan A. And they said the Titan in Picard is the next version of that because it's 20 years later. So uh, Lower Decks is canon. Like as 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 silly as the as goofy as the tone can be, it's canon. But yeah, I think they do need something. And of course, we've been talking about this for weeks. You know, we're at the point now where that's we're hitting the the limit of how much we want to spend on streaming. So I think we're going to see less than we've seen before. But uh, yeah, if if they want to do a Titan show or they just want to do a show about anybody set in that timeline, like maybe it, is it just Raffi, you know, um, without legacy characters, or is it Shaw's Titan? 
you know, because Shaw's become a breakout character as somebody that was set up to be a complete dick. Uh, he's become really interesting. I love his character, though. I don't know why. He just... he's, he's, so, he's been so good. I'll tell you, he has grown on me so fast. He's a decent captain. He's yeah. like, you know, he's like, he, he's not down for this bullshit at all. <laughs> he is, and again, he's the Gen Xer guiding us through this thing. <laughs> where he, where the, the boomers are coming in and they're just like, let's break all the laws and save our friends. And drive into a gravity well, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I mean, uh, uh, plus, I love the actor too. You know, he's from Chicago. You know, yeah. I, I, and oh, and by the way, I believe he is the first character in Star Trek to come from Chicago, and was called a dipshit from Chicago <laughs> twice in the same episode, once by Picard. Yep. <laughs> well, that's because he referred to. Him. <laughs> Himself as it did. Yeah, but Ricard echoed it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, Chicago. And it reminds me of uh, when I saw when I first saw Goodfellas. You know, uh, I'm from Rockaway Beach. And the uh, at the end of Goodfellas, you know, the babysitter is complaining that she needs her lucky hat to fly. Yeah. <laughs> and Ray Liotta's like, I got to drive all the way to Rockaway to pick up your hat. And my dad went, the one character from Rockaway is <laughs> 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 a complete asshole. That's how I felt about job. Like the one Chicago, I can't. I think Jane Way is maybe from Illinois, but she's not from Chicago. Um. Well, yeah, and and, and of course, again, because I I have to watch um I have to watch a Ready Room after every episode. Yeah, me too. When that Ready Room, and then uh, and then Trek Culture on YouTube. Yeah, that's yeah, Trek and Screen Crush is uh is doing a really good job. Screen Crush, I don't know how they do it. I mean, it, it's it's an effort for us to do this once a week, but man, they are doing like a, a 20 minute Mandalorian episode every week, and then the next day, a half an hour Picard episode. Eh, you know, Mandalorian's not that heavy a lift anymore, though. I'm telling you. No, well, and that's the funny thing. It's like, I don't know, is the fan base going this way? Is it is it quality or is it us? But I feel like Star Trek is where the action is right now. You know, well, uh, I think with Star Trek, I wanted to say because you say that they're going to start cutting back. Look at Disney, where they've real they're realizing that they were trying to do too much, put up too much product. Yeah. Now they're like they need to start, you know, uh, you know, uh, gear it down a bit. You know, gear well it they down. fired their CEO for spending too much on Disney Plus and brought back Bob Iger. Right, and then uh, they let go of the one gal who was in charge of. Oh, yeah, Victoria Alonso was. Yeah, Victoria Alonso. He's been at Marvel since the beginning. Yeah, which is a shame. I mean, well, we were commenting on how how um, the quality of a lot of the shows was really taking a noticeable hit, and I, I feel bad if it, they're making her the freaking scapegoat for it because yeah, because it's just too much in the pipeline. Yeah, so well, at least with Star Trek, they've been able to. I, I'll give um, I'll give the 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 the, the production folks at at uh, Paramount their their credit for that that they didn't try to do too much too soon they're putting out you know a show here a show there not too much overlap in with everything right you know and they're keeping the teams fairly separate as you recall when we talked to Doug Drexler um he said like I don't know what's going on in any of those shows I consider them like part of the Star Trek multiverse yeah. So it's not like they're not going to Doug Drexler and be like, all right, now give us Strange New Worlds. All right, now give us Discovery. And like apparently that's what Marvel was doing. 
you know, and like how many shows can you put in the volume? I will say I, I, it was really fun listening to someone like Doug mention that. I mean, he was saying a lot of stuff that you would think a fan would say, hmm. but the dude's involved in the production of the show. And that's how he reconciles it. Eh, it's like alternate timelines and multiverse yeah. to me, you know? I was just like, yeah, I can, I can get that. I can kind of get that, you know? And that, and yeah, that's another thing I love about Picard is it's, it's truly carrying the Berman era across. I mean, Discovery, I remember the early seasons of Discovery. First of all, let's not forget when Paramount Plus started and they were CBS All Access, Discovery was the only thing they had. They were like, we're bringing back Star Trek and it's this. And it was so weird those first couple of seasons. It was like, I remember thinking at the time that I was, that this was going to be a prequel to J.J. Abrams because it was so far away from any of the existing shows that it, I was like, well, maybe it's in that universe and it's not in the other universe, but every season it's gotten a little closer. And then they, and then they created other shows like Picard and Lower Decks and Prodigy that got closer and closer to what the core was. Well, I mean, you had the, 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 uh, the showrunner, the original showrunner of Discovery uh, from Hannibal. I want to I want to say Brian Singer, but it wasn't Brian Singer. Um, Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller. Thank you. Brian Fuller, who did work on Voyager and Enterprise and then created right. like Pushing Daisies and yes. worked on Hannibal. Yeah, he he had this whole vision for it and left. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I guess it, it got to the point where he couldn't he couldn't abide by what Paramount wanted. They were like pushing him in whatever direction or it was just a bit much. And, but if you look at that first season where you saw, I could see the, I could get the DNA of what Brian Fuller wanted. You know, you could see the, the ideas, the structure was there, but then when you have new people come in and take over the show, it changes. And of course that show was plagued with issues um, after the first season, they had the showrunners come out for the second season, who would then be accused of sexual harassment and, and, you know, and had, there are a lot of comp uh, complaints in the writer's room about it. And then, and then you had uh, the one, one of the writers in the writer's room get kicked off the show because he was black and he used the N word and made uh, some other writers in the room uncomfortable. And you're like, Man, this show's got so much going against it already. You don't need all that stuff going on behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Have you seen Chaos on the Bridge? No. The documentary about the early seasons of Next Generation, it it goes into what a mess. It was like as big a mess. You can't believe that that Next Generation became this great show with a cast that still loves each other from like the from the, you know, the chaos is the right word from everything that was going on those early seasons and those early seasons, I consider still to be unwatchable, but discovery, like discovery basically rebooted itself in the third season. Yeah. It's was, was okay. I mean, the, the problem it's my was, least favorite, I'll tell you. Yeah. That. I mean, I like the concept of it. My problem though, is when you reboot it and you go into the far future that you pretty much now know that the Federation makes it so far. So like with this current Picard, while, it is fun to see what's happening with the cast and the crew and bringing everyone back. You know, the Federation survives at the end. Yeah. Because yeah. But I'm okay with that. I mean, I mean, it's like watching clone wars or the Legion of superheroes. It's like, it's so far, so far that you can worry about what's going to happen to these characters. Right. Right. Then, you know, the universe, the universe will be there. It'll be fine. And, and that's what Picard is about. Like, 
I'm not worried about the Federation. I'm not worried about Earth or Frontier Day. I'm worried about the seven characters that I've known since 1987. That's yeah. where the stakes are, though. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's with the characters. And that's the thing. It's, it, was, it was such a slow build. Um, maybe I'm getting... I'm sure a lot of it is me getting older and sentimental, but you know, I had my arms crossed against Next Gen like a lot of people. I didn't really uh, soften up to them till the later seasons. Um and it was always some I was I never considered myself a hardcore Trekkie. Like I was always way more into Marvel. Uh but man, as these characters keep returning, you know, I, when you see Worf again, when you see Jordy again, just it hits me so hard. It's like, well, I grew up with watching this character. You know, it's like it's been 30 years I've been watching this person play this character, and this is where they are. And as that whole world builds, it's just I don't, I don't, I don't know how it's, I mean, I did other generations have this. This is how we started off, you know, when, uh, Jesus, you know, when, when the, when Star Trek, the motion picture came out, I don't know if it, I don't know that it was this heartfelt. Maybe we're at the con. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm thinking about it. Now I'm thinking about it. I mean, we have to. I, if Nicholas Meyer doesn't do Wrath of Khan, I don't think the Star Trek series continues. I think, no. you know, if they do a second motion picture, like that type of cerebral, dry sort of thing, um, I don't think it, I don't think it continues. It doesn't continue as a, a, mo a movie series, that's for sure. No, I mean, it doesn't continue as a movie series. You don't get Star Trek Four, which is what created Next Generation financially. Right. Star Trek 4 was such a big hit that Paramount was like, let's get a TV show on again. And Next Generation is what the next 15 years is built on. And each one, I mean, you can have your favorites, but each one was a little less popular than the one before. Deep Space Nine was not quite as popular as Next Gen. Voyager was not quite as popular as Deep Space Nine. And Enterprise got canceled. It's funny, too, because it, it's, it was no speaking of quality. It's just, you know, yeah. I mean, now people look at Deep Space Nine and say it's probably one of the best best Star Trek series out there. Although I will say, I remember when Deep Space Nine first came out, when it, when, the, when the series started and you had the majority of the uh, next-gen writers go over to Deep Space Nine and they were grooming Voyager. I remember they were saying Voyager, the Voyager cast, that show was... Uh, supposed to be the next cast that took over in the films, so they were going to phase out. Right, next, Voyager the was the Voyager was a big deal when Deep Space Nine came out and wasn't the big hit right away. That it it kind of got shuffled onto second class mm -hmm. status, and in fact, when they brought Michael Dorn over, there were uh, I I was watching the Shuttle Pod show, which is uh, Connor Chenier and Dominic Keating interview other Star Trek people. Michael Dorn said when they brought me over, they were thinking of not doing seven seasons. They were like, we'll put you on and see what happens, or we might cancel it now. Mm -hmm. Like, Deep Space Nine was that on the edge. And Voyager was created to launch the UPN network. Yes. So they were, they were think they gave them all of Next Generation stages. Yep. They, they gave them all of their space. They gave them the attention that Next Gen, that Next Gen had. They were being groomed to be the next big franchise. Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, but it's a shame. And then, of course, Enterprise. Well, 
I love Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula to me will always be my favorite Star Trek captain. But man, did they kill that show with the rock and roll theme song? Oh God! <laughs> which, by, which by the way, was a leftover song from Patch Adams. Oh! It was just a song in the Paramount Library, and it was like it was. Yeah, I mean, God bless them, but it was like they were trying to reboot the show while keeping all of all the same talent. It was just, you know, it was it was writers and crew that knew how Star Trek worked, and they weren't they weren't going to reinvent the wheel because they had already they'd already spent so many years perfecting that machine. That is like also, when it started after a couple of weeks, it's like, well, this is Voyager with gray walls. Although they were saying that you know, for something that was supposed to predate um, uh, the original series, that a lot of stuff didn't make sense as far as the timelines and canon and. And 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 how the technology, you know, yeah, and they're up. and they're still having that problem with Strange New Worlds. Yep, yep. You know, uh, the the problem is you are create. It's almost like if you did a new origin for Spider Man, but it had the art had to look like Steve Ditko. There's no way you could do it. So it's it's gonna have to look like a modern show, but yet it's gonna have to feel like the old show. It's like that's always rocking a hard place. And I think Strange New Worlds is doing a good job of it, of having like that color palette and that tone to the the story writing. But, but like that does not look like a show that's going to be that would have been made in 1962 to get ready for Shatner in 1966. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, you know, you, it's it's hard to do that. You, <clears throat> if they actually reproduce the 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 original sets from the original show for a modern show, people would say, what? Well, they you know? did that. I mean, they did well, that. They, they, I know they did on that episode of Deep Space Nine when they force gumped themselves into the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Yeah, and they did a two-parter on Enterprise when they went into the Mirror Universe and found the original Defiant and fought the Gorn. And they, they rebuilt all those sets. In fact, um, I, was, I was working with Art Asylum and they used the Art Asylum uh, phaser toys in the shots. And it was like it was great, but it was kitschy and it was retro. Right. I actually have not seen that uh, Enterprise episode. Those episodes. It's fun. It's the the final season that Manny Cotto uh, became the showrunner of. He did a lot to like tie it back. There's like a whole episode explaining how the Klingons lose the bumps on their foreheads. Mm -hmm. There's like uh, there's a whole episode about the Orion slave girls, and then then of course there's the uh, there's the final episode. That yeah. has Riker and Troy on the holodeck. Yeah, the, the, the entire no final. Oh my goodness! Talk about talk about thumbing your nose at a at a cast. Yeah, that, that it, it it was essentially a a next gen episode. <laughs> it was well, it, it was, and and granted, they had a two parter before that with Peter Weller about the building of the Federation, which kind of feels like the series finale, but it isn't the series finale. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird episode too. Because it also just doesn't fit. <laughs> like it's supposed to be in during the episode of the Pegasus, and it's like, all right, Freaks and Sirs are clearly fifteen years older, <laughs> and Freaks is cooking. Yeah, Riker is <laughs> making his barbecue. Uh, but uh, uh, I will say though, you know, for what it is, um, you're right. The the Star Trek content at Paramount has shown superior quality uh, as far as writing, production, everything. 
I think it's because they're more focused in their vision and what they want to do. Mm. Whereas <clears throat> on the Disney Plus side, and the Marvel side, it's getting to be a bit much. Although they're learning, you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, I I will say Andor was great, and, and I'm enjoying the Mandalorian. I would say my only problem with the Mandalorian is it's a little expected. The only thing that really chal- was challenging, that was really interesting, was the third episode where they basically did an episode of Andor. Yeah, and and now it's all about setting up, um, you know, what's going to come in in um in the, the sequel trilogy, you know, explaining Snoke and right and all that stuff. So. Yeah. And tying that together. Cause well, that it's funny. I'm, I'm seeing now. And I mean, obviously, you know, people on the internet are not a good barometer of what people think, but since rise of Skywalker, it seems like people are, I people have been supporting the prequels more lately. And I thought it was okay. The kids that grew up with the prequels, that's their, that is their uh, Star Wars, so they they defend it. You know, they're the ones that wanted an Obi Wan series, and the same way that you know Picard is Picard is the millennials' childhood. I mean, you and I as Gen Xers grew up with the movies and and watching the reruns, so we had Shatner and Nimoy. But millennials didn't really care because they had Picard and Data, and they you know this show a lot is to them. And so I thought, okay, that's what's happening with the prequels. But I'm seeing a lot of backlash to the Disney sequels now, just because, I mean, I, you know, that, that trilogy went off the rails in a lot of ways. So I think, and, and a lot of things, if you don't end well, it's hard to remember it fondly. I don't know. It's windsocking, if you ask me, you know, because the same people who bitched about the prequels saying, you know what, maybe George Lucas shouldn't be involved with Star Wars anymore, you know, because he doesn't understand Star Wars, blah, 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 blah. Now they're turning around and saying, well, because the sequel trilogy totally ignored uh, George Lucas's treatments, you know, that's why they sucked. I'm like, uh, uh, just uh, enough, just shut up. You know, my theory (laughs) is that it's not the exact same people. (laughs) I'm pretty. I I, I want to say it's the same people. I do. I say you want to hate them because people they want to they, they just want to go back and forth, back and forth. <clears throat> I'll tell you right now. You're hearing, we'll, we'll talk about like let's say Ted Lasso. All through this third season of Ted Lasso, you keep hearing time and time again, well, "Is there going to be a season four? People keep asking. Will there be a season four? Come on, tell us there's going to be a season four. Well, they said this was the final season, then they backed off that. Well, it's the final season of this arc. It's like they knew that they wanted, they had a story to tell within these three seasons. Mm -hmm. And even Jason Sudeikis himself said, "Eh, you know, it's a possibility that there are things can happen, but he he didn't want to be committal to it. He just wanted to say, this is what we're thinking about. We're thinking about this last season and completing the story. And yet people keep asking, Oh, come on. Give us a season four. Is there going to be a season four? Now watch. Watch them give us a season four. And then people are going to start going, they should have quit with season three. You know, season four has just not been as good. Uh, why did they even do that? They were, Season three was the perfect ending. Why did they continue after that? Because people love just going back and forth like wind socks. Yeah, people want to be right. That's, you know, be in, in, and instead of like getting behind something that people might not like. You know, like I, I, I loved Obi-Wan. I liked Picard season one, you know, uh, whether or not people have turned against those, I don't care. You know, uh, I don't know why, like, I don't know why people hate Obi-Wan so much. 
I liked it too. No, I'm with you. I enjoyed it. It gave me what I wanted. It gave me uh, it gave me first more Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought this was probably one of his best performances as the character. It gave me more of the heart of the character that I'd wanted. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't understand why people... <clears throat> then we're going back and forth. Remember how... Uh, well, Mandalorian is great. Uh, but it's going to be, it's the best show ever. Oh, well, now Book of Boba Fett's coming along. Oh, no, Book of Boba Fett sucks. We need to have the Mandalorian show up in it. Oh, yeah, that's when it's good. Oh, no. Well, now Andor is coming along. Andor is the greatest Star Wars show ever. We need the Mandalorian to be more like that. Uh, it just, just drives me nuts. The way well, it's, a, it's the ranking system of it is like when you get something good, that, ha that has to mean that the other things suck. Like, I, I, I remember during when Nolan was making the Batman movies and people like shitting on the Tim Burton movies. And I was like, those movies didn't change. Those movies were exactly what they always were. And, you know, and, and uh, I was, I was proud to say I still enjoyed those movies. And now that the Robert Pattinson Batman is happening, I still enjoy the Nolan movies. Yeah. yeah. You know, just because you have something new that's good doesn't mean the old thing is now worse. That's why Lucas said he retired. He was tired of that whole thing. You know, the whole, oh, when something comes out, it's either the best thing ever or it's or it's horrible. Yeah. You know, he just got and, tired of that. Well, and you and I talk about this all the time. And it's like, they don't give reasons. They're just like, oh, it sucks. It sucks because it's bad. And it's like, well. Oh, it's lazy writing. Ex okay, explain how the writing is lazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's hack writing. No, you saying it's hack writing is hack it's writing. Hack writing. Yes, <laughs> because you're not building an argument. Yeah, yeah, it's you know what it, it it's sports, and that's the thing. And and you know, as you know, I'm not a sports fan, <laughs> and I don't get the mindset. But you're either winning or losing, and it's like I never thought entertainment should be that way. You know, yeah. it's like it's always going to be different, but it, it's either going to be good or it's going to be not as good. Not to get not to turn this into sports talk, but this is this is how this is how inane social media can be, right? So, some guy on a on a Chicago Bears Facebook page posts one of those funny memes. It says, "You know, just so you know, Rex Grossman, former quarter uh, Bears QB Rex Grossman, has won more NFC championships than Aaron Rodgers." You know, like. Aaron Rodgers has never won in the NFC Championship game, the game that would get to, um, um, or he's 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 never been the NFC North. I'm trying to remember how it worked, but all I know is he says that Rex Grossman has more NFC championships than Aaron Rodgers. To which I said, "Wait a minute, Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, okay? So to win a Super Bowl, you first you got to win the NFC Championship." And to say that one play, one team said, oh, well, he's got, you know, uh, as many NFC champions as Aaron Rodgers, like, you're, that's a second-place trophy. You're trying to say that your guy is better because he won the second-place trophy, better than the guy who won the first-place trophy. And when I just responded, and I know it was like a joke, but when I responded, okay, it's kind of silly. If you say Rex Grossman is better because he's got this trophy – you know, it's easy to retort, well, Aaron Rodgers has got a Super Bowl. Can you believe that there were actual Bears fans who came on to say, no, 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 well, Aaron Rodgers has lost more games. I go, 
He's won a Super Bowl. Your guy has not won a Super Bowl. That's where the that's where the argument ends. Okay, your well, guy has not won it. The, your problem is thinking that 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 would end an argument. You would think, yes. <laughs> you, you know how we're still arguing whether like the January six was a problem. <laughs> oh, those are just tourists. You know, yeah, got a lot of but again, that's how inane people yeah. want to be just to argue things on the internet. When it comes to something as simple as you know what, so who, what player is better than other? I mean, okay. This guy won a championship. This other guy didn't. I think we should, you know, no, that's uh, yeah. what makes one guy better than the other. Yeah. And and then there's a guy like me who thinks Aaron Rodgers, is that the singer with the mole on his face? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville, yeah. And who's Neville Rodgers? <laughs> that's his cousin. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> But uh, uh, but yeah, but yeah. still, that that's that's why. Well, I, it used to, well, it used to be, you know, there was a loud mouth in every there was a loud mouth in every neighborhood. I mean, every bar had a Cliff Clavin. Now every Cliff Clavin is on the internet. Oh God! So since I'm complaining about the internet right now, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there mm-hmm. for 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 the you're gonna consum- put this out there on the internet on the internet to know. That I highly disapprove of this bullshit that's been going on with uh, Indiana Jones toy collectors. Oh, yeah, I'm with you there. Who have been going to stores and harassing the staff to targets, targets or Walmarts or any store and go in the back and tell them, we know that these toys are here. Go in the back and find them. I want to buy them now. And when when the staff, and in some cases, they're getting, you know, the... These poor people are getting them what they want, or in a case where, in one case where, the target employee did not get uh, the the toys out of the back for this gentleman, and he went online to complain about the horrible customer service that he received because they wouldn't go back, and he wanted to give them their money. They're not street dated till April. Yeah. I was like, you should really be ashamed of yourselves, folks. You really, you really should be. You really need to stop. It's like, and these are, and these are all men. They're like male Karens. Yeah. You want to talk about, there's got to be a new word. for and, you know, and, and the stuff they're getting are the retro Kenner reissue figures and the children's toys. The children's they toys. Have, they don't even have the six inch like Marvel Legends stores black line out. None of the stores have those yet. And which is what is, what is geared towards the adult collector. Yes, and but then and they're they're complaining. Some of them are complaining about the t- the children's toys. Oh, I don't want this. Isn't for me. I go. It wasn't made for you. It was made for kids. <laughs> Not supposed to be for you. It's like oh, I just it just I'm, it's just so maddening right now seeing seeing my fandom. Well, know. the problem is like the Indiana Jones fandom is usually you and me. <laughs> right and now like, there are other and I'm, everyone else we talked to is like oh yeah i know those movies and now that there's a movie coming like the indiana jones boards are starting to pop up yeah but it's full of the same jerks that are collecting star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not new we're not needing new people it's like i wanted to i was hoping my indie fandom would be safe you know no. safe from all the knuckleheads uh it'll be safe in 2024 <laughs> when, it, when it goes dead again and no one wants to talk about it now i i'm just i'm just here to grab every six inch figure i can 
while they make them, and then they'll close that window. I may well, get the a- retro figures though. Like the retro figures are. I'm not a. I'm usually not an in package collector, but I did break down and got a lot of those Marvel Kenner ones, and I never took them out of the box because I really like the presentation. And it's like that Indiana Jones set was very very special to me growing up. Although they say the card backs are very thin, so it's going to be hard to really get you know. But well, yeah, but you know what? You get those cases. I mean, they make they make yeah. those cases to seal them in anyway. Well, I'm like I'm. See, they're complaining. Now they're complaining about the cardboard. Yep, I'm, and I'm like, eh, whatever. I'm like, look, I, I want to play with my toys. That's what I do. I play with my toys. I've got everything loose. It's like yeah. I'm slowly, you know, I moved last month, and I'm slowly just putting more and more shelves in, <laughs> and finding more and more spaces to put things. Uh, so, but anyway, I just had to put that out there. If you're out there doing that, just stop. Just stop that, please. Stop. Stop harassing that teenager who's only making, you know. Yeah. Wait about, three weeks. Wait a couple. Yeah. The movie's I'll, not out for three months. You can yeah. wait three weeks. Yeah. It's a, they'll be coming out soon enough, and then you'll get as many toys as you want. and Or you'll be I, out there buying them all up so that other kids, you know, the kids who should be getting them won't have well, them. Well, that's the thing. When they come out on the street date, they're not going to have any in the back. Yeah. Because of all these guys that have come and taken them three weeks early. So. This, is why I, this is why I only order online. Or get things from Mr. Wayne's. Yeah. Because it's not it's not worth mass retail anymore. It's just and then you go to a Target and it's like it's usually not stocked. Yeah. Because everybody's in the back. (laughs) Anywho, that was I just had to rant on that for a moment. That's fine. You got a greatest thing in the world this week? Uh well, well, Ted Lasso's back. Yeah, that's been good. Season two, uh, uh shrinking just finished. So the the season finale just finished. Ted Lasso's back. I'm very happy about that. Um, I need my comfort food. Um, I'm I, I was I'm sorry. Um, Mandalorian just is not doing it for me right now. Maybe it's a sign of age, but I found the second episode of Ted Lasso to be much more entertaining than the second episode of the the season of Mandalorian. I don't have a problem with the Mandalorian, but the Mandalorian is what I watch while I'm waiting for Picard. Yeah. Because it comes out like Wednesday and Picard comes out Thursday. Yeah. Uh, I did finish The Last of Us and man, it was really, really good, especially for a video game adaptation, which means it's as good as nothing because there's (laughs) never been a good video game adaptation of anything. But man, it reminds you like we are so far beyond The Walking Dead now. Because I like I've tried to go back and watch that final season of Walking Dead and comparing it to the Last of Us season one, I'm like, we've just moved ahead. Yeah. I actually want to go back and play the game, like like the way the way Walking Dead made you go back and read the comic books. Mm-hmm. This is make me want to play a video game. I'm like, do we want to call? Uh, I remember this this brought back the controversies when Roger Ebert. Um, declared that video games could not be art. Um, they weren't art. They couldn't be art because he, he had a fairly low opinion of them because he saw some really crappy games. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, he, he's been gone for like seven, eight years. Yeah. But, but still, I'm wondering, like, would this have changed his mind? Because, you know, Last of Us in itself, I mean, there are times when I think calling it a video game is a disservice to it. Like, it should be called something like an interactive narrative. 
Yeah. Well, that's like that. that's the funny thing because uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers because I know you haven't seen it or played it, but um, there's some like hard choices to be made. It's a survivalist drama, and uh, Ben's played both of them all the way through because he's a really really good gamer and he can he can knock out a game in a couple of days. So um, he's watching the show with us, and we said, "Hey, like, you know, Pedro Pascal is in both The Mandalorian and The Last of Us." Like, hey, when he has to decide whether he's going to do this or this, it's like, well, what do you do in the game? He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, how many endings are there for the game? Because, like, because you're so in that moment of what's he going to do? Like, I'm like, you have to be in charge of that, right? And he's like, no, the game is the game. He's like, if, you know, if you don't, if you don't do that, if you don't make this choice, you don't move ahead in the game. And it really made me realize, okay, this is a story that's been crafted. Mm-hmm. This is not a branching mm-hmm experience the way like uh the telltale walking dead was mm-hmm. where it's like oh i can save this guy or i can let this guy die it's like no they really plan this to be a story and what they've done is taken that video game taken out a lot of the unnecessary fighting that you do and gotten you know live actors who can really sell this but it's um it's very well done and it's avoid most it's avoided most of the tropes I mean, we've had, like I said, we've had 10 years of The Walking Dead. We've had 60 years of zombie movies. And I feel like this is doing something really different. I'll binge it later when everything's died down. It's worth it. I mean, HBO has always got something on a Sunday night. And if nothing else, there's John Oliver. (laughs) Well, Elliot, how can we find you and tell you you're wrong about things on the internet? Because that's your favorite thing. Well, uh, of course, you can find me at Elliot Serrano, two L's, two T's, two R's across all social media platforms. And um, the other thing I'm going to tell you is, please, please, dear God, don't harass the staff at Target. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you can always listen uh, to the also want to listen to the MCU review, which I'm a part of as well as the Top Men and Indiana Jones podcast. We've had two episodes so far. We've covered Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Our next one up will be, of course, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's a fan favorite. That's a fan favorite. And, and Avengers Endgame will be the next on the MCU review. That's a big deal. That's going to be a lot a big... of people say that's where the MCU ends. Oh, that's where I say it ends. That's where I've got. I got off the boat at. I got off the train at that stop, and I think I caught a cab for uh, No Way Home. Yeah, I was gonna say there's two more Spider Mans. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm still on that train. Yeah, but then that's it. Then after No Way Home, I'm like, eh, meh. And you know, and audiences are agreeing with you. Quantum Quantum Mania took a nosedive on its second week, and Shazam two bombed. So people, you know, so uh, what is the superhero movie that's going to get people galvanized again? So, but my, my my question though is this: Why do we say? Does it have to say? Or do we have to say that it bombed? But yeah, or is yeah. It because it, is it, it because bombed. the expectations are so high for these films? No, it didn't do well. <laughs> it did. I know, it did. Yeah, it it hasn't like, made its money back. Right. Uh, and there are folks saying like you know, Quantum Mania we, hasn't bombed, but they're saying it's a disappointment. But Shazam yeah. Two has not done well. But we're and, you know, saying, Shazam Two has been like Black Adam. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the, that's what it suffered from. The DC the DC movies have really been bad, so it's it's suffered from that. Right. But my my thing is, we can always talk about this on a later podcast. But it's the whole why is there why are we expecting superhero movies to make 
500 million all the time. We don't expect that from every, you know, cop movie, every action film, every uh, horror film. Right. Cause like we're that. greedy. That's why. And, yeah. and the problem is a handful have made a billion. So right. 500 is not enough now. Like it's got, it's got to make a billion. And, but there's so, there's so much content out there and I will never not love superheroes and I will always be interested. And, in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the Zen diagram of, uh, of, you know, superheroes and movie fans is a circle that's around me, <laughs> but I can understand that people going like, yeah, you know, I've had enough, you know, it's like, you know, how, is- how many more Marvel characters am I interested in seeing on screen? Yeah. You know what, but. If you don't want to watch them, somebody else can watch them. It's like we don't. I don't have to buy every Star Wars action figure. I just buy the ones I like. Right. Yeah. I can't buy every Marvel action figure anymore. And you I don't make, have. You don't I make have a good to, living, and I can't afford every Marvel <laughs> action figure right. anymore. And, and and John, you don't have to buy every Indiana Jones figure. Yes, I do, because they're only gonna. There's only gonna be like 25 of them, and then they will be gone. <laughs> We're not talking about 200 Indiana Jones figures. <laughs> Get your head out of those clouds. <laughs> I just want my short round. I want my short round He's figures. He's coming. He's yeah. coming with your ripped Indiana Jones shirt. Want it? Yeah. No. I. I I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping Hot, Hot Toys will give us another indie. It's been a long time since we've gotten a good 12 inch one. And where can we see you on the socials? I'm at not on my book on Instagram, where you can see pictures of toys and guitars and my girlfriend. Uh, who I'm very uh, proud to announce has, has finally got a new job, so she's in a much better mood. Uh, oh, good, good. And yeah, these layoffs have been taking a long time. So, um, so congratulations to Jill for getting a new job. I'm very proud. And I'm on Twitter, but I'm mostly lurking. And you know, uh, but also there's a Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/CaffeinatedComics where you can find out uh, when a new episode is posted, like this one, or the new. All the news is fit to geek, whether it's trailers or toy announcements or uh, somebody got fired for Marvel. <laughs> That's the best place to find us. But either way, we will talk to you next week.